Man, I love, I love that song. That was practice round, okay, because we'll come back to that in just a little bit. You know, this has been a weird morning. There's just been weird things going on, internet, different things, and I, I was super restless last night, which doesn't happen. I sleep pretty well. Um, but when stuff happens like that, even this morning, I don't know if you heard it, there was some weird sound, like did something just fall over? I don't know, it's just weirdness. Here's, here's what I always know. That's code for God is fixing to do something cool, and the enemy doesn't like it, Okay. And so I'm excited. We're talking about worship. Even this morning, even already just in announcements, we're calling us to be people who pray and who are generous and exhibit the love of God to people. And we're going to talk about worship this morning. And so I know the enemy doesn't like this. And so what we're doing this morning matters. It's important. Um, How many of you ever listened to any, like, worship music or praise songs back in like the 90s, early 2000s. Any of y'all in that, that generation? Okay, a few of you are with me, okay? So I'm gonna drop a couple references this morning. Some of you be like, what? Um, some of you know right where I'm going. Uh, there was a song that was probably, I don't know, mid 90s by a worship leader named Matt Redman and it was called The Heart of Worship, okay? I don't know if any of you remember the song, um, but I always remember this. This is the title of this morning is More Than a Song. Um, And here's the lyrics to it. It says, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. And it works into this chorus that says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And this was a worship leader who... He felt like his worship team and his people didn't, weren't getting what worship was all about. It was about all the glitz and the, the high energy and all this stuff. And he stripped all that away and said, let's get back to the heart of worship, which is really, it's way more than a song. It's, it's about our hearts. And so this morning, this is what we're going to talk about. In fact, uh, Jesus said in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, he was having a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And he brings up this topic of worship and he says, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers, and let me pause there because the fact that Jesus says there are such a thing as true worshipers kind of clues us into the reality that there's such a thing as what? False worshipers, right? And so here's what he says. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Here's what Jesus was saying. He's saying, God the Father is seeking a certain type of person. He's seeking true worshipers, true worshipers. Now, you may be here this morning and go, what is, what is worship really even all about? What does that mean? And it comes from this old English word. I always, this helps me to remember this, this old English word, worthship. Okay, worthship. So in other words, it's placing worth, high worth or high value on someone or something. Okay? And so the question this morning is not, are you a worshiper? We're all worshipers. The reality, the question is that every single one of us face at any given moment in our lives is, what are you worshiping? Who are you worshiping? Because here's the reality. We, we tend to worship and we bounce between these between one of two things. One is the creator, the one who gives every good and perfect gift, or the creation, which is anything created that God created. It's, it's ourselves, it's things, it's others' stuff that's not the creator. And so we're all worshipers. And here's the bottom line this morning. Worship always starts in the heart, but it leaks out through your life. Worship always starts in the heart, but it leaks out 
through your life. So sometimes we think worship is, okay, it's, it's a group of people who gather on a Sunday morning and they sing songs. And we think that's what worship is, as if worship is only singing. Or as if we only worship when we come together in this room at this time each week. No, no, no. We're all worshipers 24-7. It all starts in our heart, and it leaks out through our life. The way that we live, the way that we behave, the way that we act, it, it comes out through our life. So it, it, it starts at the root, and it comes out in fruit, the fruit of our lives. Okay, you think about a tree or a plant, there's, it doesn't grow fruit, right, unless there's a root system, unless it's rooted and it's the same way. We as people, the root is our heart. And we're going to talk about this morning, the heart of this. And then we're going to practice some, some, some of the fruit, some of the, the outward expressions of worship, okay? But let me make sure I kind of make this caveat. How you worship this morning isn't dependent on me. And it's not dependent on our order of service and how smoothly everything goes. Because I'm going to warn you, it might be a little clunky this morning, all right? But here's the deal. Worship depends on... Not me, but you and your heart. And, and Jesus, Matthew 13, he, he says this. His, his disciples are asking him, like, Jesus, why are you always talking in stories? Why are you always telling these parables? And Jesus answers and he says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. Verse 15 this is important. He says, for this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their what? Their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Here's what Jesus was saying. He's saying these stories, it's not about them hearing physically and seeing physically. It's about, really, the eyes of their heart being opened. You know, this song we just sang, I love it, but there's a weird part in it. I always feel weird because sometimes I close my eyes when I'm worshiping, and there's a part that says, you've opened my eyes. And so I feel weird if I'm, I've got... Is anybody with me? I'm like closing my eyes, and I'm saying, you've opened my eyes, and I feel like I've got to open. Okay, I'm weird like that. All right? I'm just bringing you into the world of Andrew, okay? Um, it's weird. But you know what we're singing in that moment? There shouldn't be any, like, guilt or shame on my part, because we're not talking about physically you've opened my eyes, right? We all know what the song is talking about. We know what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about our physical eyes. He's talking about our what? Our heart. And so with that in mind, what I want to give you this morning are five directions to point our eyes in worship. Not really our eyes, right, but our hearts. And so let me start by saying this. This isn't one of the five, um, but here's the direction that we tend to look in. Most of our lives we spend looking in, right? Looking at our stuff in our own circumstances. And let me say this. It's not bad to be uh, introspective, right, to, to look inward. I mean, I'm an introvert, okay? I'm king of this, right? But if all we do is spend our time looking inward at our own stuff and our own circumstances, man, we will spend so much of our lives discouraged and depressed and frustrated. Because all we're doing, if we spend all our time looking inward, is we're worshiping ourselves. 
And Jack said it over and over last week. It's not about you. It's not about me. And so let me give you five directions to point our eyes or our hearts. Number one is, is this. Look up. Look up. And with each of these directions, I want to give a word or a phrase, okay, to help clarify. So look up. And the word is behold. The word is behold. And I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. What we find here, Paul is talking about. He, he, he kind of refers back to the story of Moses. And I don't know if you remember this. Moses would go up onto the mountain to meet with God. He would, the Bible says he was like a friend face-to-face with God. And he would meet with God, and he would come back down the mountain to the people. And you remember what was unusual about Moses when he came back down the mountain? You guys remember this story? His face was like my face after spending all day at the water park on Friday. It's like red. I don't know if you see that, but it was blazing, bright, shining. It freaked all the people out. Not the people at the water park. Moses. In Moses' day, all right? People were freaked out, and they said, man, you got to cover that thing, okay? You got to cover that face. Not because it's ugly. You got to cover it because it's so bright, and you're scaring us. And so Moses would come down from meeting with God so changed that his face was was on fire, and they would cover it. Verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 3. Paul says, and we all, talking to those who follow Jesus, he says, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, in, in Moses' day, he had to go to a physical place on the mountain to meet with God. But that's not the case with us anymore. Jesus came and offered his life and offered us a way to have a relationship with God. So now, God isn't up on a mountain. God is within each one of us who have placed our faith in him. He has taken up residence in us. And so we don't have to have veiled faces. But here's what he says. Every time we behold the glory of the Lord. It says we are transformed. You know what it means to behold something? It means to like gaze intently at something. Some of you did that, all, some of you all did that in the mirror this morning. Some of you clearly didn't, and you should have covered your face like Moses. Okay, I'm just kidding, all right? Love from your pastor. This is the deal. When we gaze intently, when we look upon God, for who he is, something changes in us. It transforms us. If all we do is come into a building and hear preaching, but we never open our hearts, we never actually look up at Jesus, man, we walk out of here the same people. But if we would look up, if we would behold his glory for who he is, he says, man, I will transform you. I will radically change you. When we see him for who he is, it, what it does is it changes our perspective, okay? This is, this is why I love the ocean, okay? I love the ocean. When God brought us to South Carolina, I was like, amen, I love the ocean. Um, this is a picture that I took, gosh, I don't know, five or six years ago. This was Ocracoke Island, Outer Banks, um, and one of my favorite pictures, and it's just, it's at sunset, but I love the ocean, not because I love to be out in the ocean necessarily. I love the ocean because it gives me perspective. When I look out at this apparently unending body of water, I'm like, man, God, with the word of his mouth, created that. 
this is incredible. And when I see the bigness and the vastness of who God is, it reminds me how little I am and how small my problems are. Even when they're overwhelming, it gives me perspective. Have any of you ever been in like a tall building and looked out over a city and, go, and just said, man, I, I am so small. This is on top of the Empire State Building, okay, several years ago. Um, any of you ever been at the top floor of this? Um, it's crazy. It's amazing. You look out, this is all man-made stuff. But I look out and I go, I am just a speck of dirt. You know the whole deal if you like drop a penny? Like I always wonder if that, like, would that really impale somebody? Yeah, I'm sure it would. Um, traveling at that velocity. But like, man, I am so little. I mean, how many of you, when you fly, like the window seat? Anybody in here like the window seat? I love the window seat, all right? And you know what? I like to look out and I like to see these big buildings and big trucks and vehicles become like really tiny, <laughs> you know what I mean? As you go up and you're like, oh my goodness. And it's this change of elevation that causes my perspective to change. I mean, looking out a window is one thing and then maybe you, if you jump out a window, like I did this four years ago, like on my 40th birthday, and uh, there's nothing, there's no different perspective to have than like actually jumping out of one because you're going, okay, if I hit the ground, I'm splat, right? I am, man, I'm gone. There, that is a change of perspective. But this is what happens when we actually get with God and gaze intently at him. This isn't about like running through like your Bible reading plan. This is about stopping and beholding the glory of the Lord. Because when we do that, it changes us. It changes our perspective. You know, I remember years ago, man, we had been, my wife Annette and I had been married for a year. And we moved from, we graduated from college in, in Missouri. We moved to Ohio, northern Ohio. And we got a duplex that had like, it was like a two bedroom. Okay, so we were moving up in the world from this like tiny little one bedroom, like 300 square foot apartment to like this two bedroom. We're like, what do we do with the extra space? You know, we got this whole extra bedroom. And I remember printing out this like verse um, and putting it in a frame and posting it in this bedroom. And it was Exodus 25 verse 8. And it's this, this verse from God speaking to Moses. And he says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Now a sanctuary, okay, this was kind of the portable meeting place where the people would meet with, with God, okay? And, and, and in my, you know, 20-year-old, no, I wasn't 20 years old. I was like 25 or something. Um, I, I was thinking, okay, this bedroom is going to be like my sanctuary, right? This is where I'm going to get up every morning. I'm going to spend time with God. Um, and I don't, I don't know how often I did that. It was, uh, I, th- I don't even know what we did that with that room. Somebody else lived in our house for like a year. Okay, anyways, I'm off track. Here is the deal. Sanctuary is a meeting place with God. And so in my mind, the importance of being a follower of Christ is we all wake up every single day where our world and our circumstances and our schedule and our to-do list and our problems are huge, right? Are you with me? And every day, we need to adjust our perspective. We need to get with God in the sanctuary say, God, I want to just behold you because I need to see my problems and my life in in light of the size that they really are compared to you. That's not big. But you are incredible. You are bigger. You are greater. You are stronger. And I'm going to behold 
you. This is the importance of, of doing it every single day is beholding the glory of the Lord. And so what we're going to do for just a moment here, not a long time, um, we're going to pause and we're going to have a moment of sanctuary. Listen, this, we, we, sometimes we call in church world this room the, the sanctuary. But listen, this isn't, this isn't the only meeting place with God. It's everywhere you go. But every day we need to get into that place and turn our eyes upwards to God. And so I want to ask you to close your eyes for a minute and bow your heads. And we're going to have just a moment of prayer. Just a moment where just stilling your hearts before God. Some of you may not have spent a moment doing this this, this week at all. And this isn't just a moment of silence. This is a moment for you to behold the glory of the Lord, to open your heart to Him. today, maybe for the first time this week, maybe for the first time in a long time, we stop, we pause, and we want to behold you. We want to open our hearts to you and be reminded of who you are. God, that you are so much bigger than the things that we face. You are so much stronger than the opposition that comes at us, that you have good intentions for us. So, Lord, this morning as we come before you with hearts lifted up, God, would you give us the, the right perspective that we need that only you can give us? God, would you bring us the transformation of our hearts that only you can achieve, that we can't bring about by anything that we do, by striving or trying or So this morning we worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. It's good to behold the Lord, right? Look up. Look up. Behold. Here's a second thing. Here's a second thing. Look back. Look back. And the word for this is remember. Remember. And we're going to look at Psalm 77 here in just a second. Um, this, this idea of remembering, I mean, you see it from cover to cover throughout the Bible that we're always called to remember what God has done. 
because we get so focused on what we don't have or the current circumstances, and we forget the track record of faithfulness of God in our life over the years. And so this is what, what we are called to, is to look back, to remember. And I want us to look at Psalm 77 here. And this, this is a passage that I came across um, in kind of my own sanctuary time over the last week. And uh, what you see here is a psalmist. I love the psalms because you go through the whole range of emotions from frustration and anger and bitterness and confusion to worship. And you see this throughout the psalms. So Psalm 77, check out this the psalmist and where his heart is as we begin. He says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. So you see he's in this day of trouble. He's talking about in the night, this time of darkness, and my soul is, it won't be comforted. Verse 3, when I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. It's kind of like he's going up and down, and then he begins to question God. Like, God, where are you? He says in verse 7, will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? You see the heart of the psalmist? Man, he's confused. Like, God, where are you? What are you doing? Has your love for me, like, run out? Have you forgotten as if God forgets anything? Have you forgotten to be gracious to me? Are you angry? What, what is going on? And this is the, the state of the psalmist's heart. But then look at what happens here. Look, look what he does. He turns a corner. Verse 10, then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. Verse 11, I will what? Remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will what? Remember the wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and I will meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known to uh, your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. You know what he's saying? He's saying, God, I remember. I remember that you are holy. I remember that you are mighty. I remember that you care for me. He remembers. And then in, in verse 16, he, he, he remembers even further back. He goes back to not just God's track record of faithfulness in his life, but down through the ages, he goes back to the Exodus, and he says in verse 16, when the waters saw you, O God, listen, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. You set your footprints. Uh, your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. You see what the psalmist does? He remembers. 
God, you delivered me. You rescued me. Not only did you deliver and rescue me, you delivered your people through the raging waters. And yet your footsteps were unseen. But man, God, you were present all throughout that. And you redeemed. Amen. He remembered the track record of faithfulness of God for his people and for himself. He got a change of perspective, right? He was remembering, he was looking upon and gazing upon the glory of the Lord and remembering all that he had done. He was looking back, and it caused him to break out in worship. Man, listen, some of us are so stuck in our current circumstances. Man, we need to look back at God's faithfulness. And I'm telling you, it will create a heart of worship in you if you will just remember. And maybe you'd look at your life and be like, I don't have a lot of good stuff to remember. I don't feel like God has redeemed me from a lot. Can I just tell you what he did for Israel, he wants to do for you. He wants to bring you through the waters. He wants to redeem your life. He has good intentions for you. So if you can't even look back at your life, look back at God's track record throughout the generations. He wants to do it in your life too, amen? If we would look back. And what we're going to do this morning is one of the acts of the church, one of the ordinances from long, long ago. We stand in the long stream of followers of Jesus who have practiced the act of communion or the Lord's Supper as a way to look back, as a way to remember what God has done. The, the people of Israel, they, they celebrate Passover, to this day, they're always looking back to the Exodus and what God did. We as the people of God in the New Testament church, we look back to the sacrifice of Jesus, and we remember what he's done. And so this morning, for the next few minutes, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, communion together. And so let me give you some instructions how we're going to do this. I don't know if that works. Again, see, here we go. Listen, don't let the distractions pull you away and your heart away from what God wants to do. He's calling us to look back and to remember. And so what we're going to do, actually, why don't you stand with me? Why don't you stand? And what we're going to do is the music is going to kind of come up here. There are six stations, kind of four up front here, two in the back. Um, at your leisure, I'm going to ask you guys, there's going to be scripture on the screen, to come and grab the elements, head back to your seat, and partake of the Lord's Supper on your own. Hey, let me make sure to be clear on this. If you are not a follower of Jesus, that's cool. Relax. You don't have to. You don't have to. Don't do, please don't do this. Don't participate. Just stay where you're at. Or maybe, you know what, there's something in you going on that you don't feel like you can take this. Or maybe there's some sin in your life that you feel like you need to repent of. Hey, no stress. Stay where you're at. This is a time for each of us individually. Maybe as a family you want to take communion together. That's great. Whatever you want to do. But we're going to open it up just for the Lord's Supper here for the next few minutes. Now, don't just take the elements and be on your merry way. Take some time to look back and to remember. And so why don't you go ahead and do that?
Father God, this morning, I'm reminded that if you were to mark iniquity, if you were to mark sin, who would stand? None of us. And so, Lord, this morning we come to you in remembrance of all that you have done. that when there was no way that we could climb a ladder to heaven to reach you, you came down after us, that you pursued us, that you made a way through the breaking of your body, through the shedding of your blood, you made a way for redemption for every single one of us. Father, we look back and we remember and we rejoice and we say thank you. Because of your sacrifice, we can be free. We can be free from the eternal penalty of our sin. We can be free from the power of sin in our everyday life. And one day we will be free from the very presence of sin. We spend all of eternity with you. And so, Lord, this morning we remember, we look back and we say thank you for your kindness and your grace and your mercy. And God's people all said, amen. So look up, look back. Here's, here's a third thing. Look ahead, look ahead. And the, the word or phrase for this is trust and obey. Okay, this is, this is an old hymn. I don't know if some of you remember this old hymn, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. All right, I know my old hymns. Okay, so here, here's the idea. Looking ahead is this idea of not just remembering what he has done, but trusting him for what he will do. It's walking in faith and obedience into the future down this road where I don't even know where it's going, but I trust that he is with me. I trust that he has good plans for me. I walk in obedience, faith and obedience, because I believe he will keep his word. I walk in faith and obedience because I believe that he will reward me. I walk in faith and obedience because I believe that he will be walking with me. I walk in faith and obedience because I believe that his way is best for me. This is what it means to look ahead. It's to trust and obey and to walk in faith and surrender. Romans 12, verse 1. You've probably heard this verse. You know this verse well. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. In other words, I urge you, I'm begging you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, which we just celebrated, we just remembered, by the mercies of God, here's what I'm begging you to do, Paul says, to present your bodies as a what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual what? Worship. Here's what he says. And I don't know if you I don't know if you know much about Old Testament sacrifices, animal sacrifices. Here's, here's what I know. They were dead, right? You didn't stick a live animal on the altar because it would take off, right? It would run away. You you slaughtered the animal and you would offer its blood of this pure uh, lamb upon the altar. It was a dead 
sacrifice. Paul doesn't call us to be a dead sacrifice. He calls us to be a what? A living sacrifice. So when we lay ourselves down, when we present ourselves on the altar, man, this is our worship. It's to offer all of us to God. But you know what a living sacrifice tends to do? It tends to get up off the altar and run away, right? It tends to jump up and run off. And so he's calling us over and over to be a living sacrifice, to offer ourselves as a sacrifice. This is our worship to God. You heard Jack mention this last week, and you'll hear me say this over and over and over again. When it comes to spiritual growth and development, it's, it's a whole, it's an all-body experience. It's a whole-body experience, head, heart, and hands. Head, heart, and hands. It's about having right thinking and right beliefs. It's about having right affections and love. But it's also about our hands. It's about right actions and obedience and faith. Because worship starts in our hearts, but it leaks out through our life, through our hands. And this is, this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about looking ahead. It's trusting and obeying and walking in faith and obedience. This, this is what baptism is all about. This is what we celebrate at the very beginning. Two uh, young men in the first service and one young lady in this service who said, I am walking in faith and obedience. I, I, I want to follow you. I want to obey you. I want to put on display for the world that you are the Lord of my life. And I'm offering myself as a sacrifice. This is what baptism is all about, offering all of us. But we're going we're gonna to move into an, another, another act of, of worship that we do week in and week out here. And some of us, we, we do it so automatically that we, we forget that it's an act of worship. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's an offering. We're going to move into a time of giving. And so as we do that, I want to ask those of you that are on the front row to kind of grab that basket and pass it back. I know that some of you give online. Um, some of you will be giving online to Starbucks, right? <laughs> you will. Every single act of giving and generosity is an act of faith, an act of trust. We're saying, God, I trust you with all of me. All of my stuff, all of my money, I trust that you are the one who provides for me. And so as we give, we give as an act of worship. We give as an act of faith and obedience. So we look up, we look back, we look ahead, and we look around. We look around, and the word here is gratitude. The word is gratitude. Psalm 50, verse 23 says this. This is just this little, like, nugget tucked away in Psalm 50, verse 23. It says, the one who offers what? Thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. And here's what the psalmist says. Whenever you show gratitude, whenever you express thankfulness, it comes from your heart. He says, that is a sacrifice. And that brings glory to God. 
so listen, when you and I give, when we take our hands off our stuff long enough to give it back to the Lord, trusting him, we're doing it as an act of worship. We're doing it out of trust and obedience and we're doing it out of gratitude. bucks here and there as an offering to try to appease God. No, we give out of the abundance of gratitude we have in our hearts because of who God is and what he's done. It's an act of worship. And so we sang it at the beginning. You were learning it at the beginning. I want to ask you to stand with us and we're going to declare this again. You know the song. Now don't just, don't just sing the words make this an expression of gratitude to our Lord.
Amen. Amen. Why don't you have a seat for just a moment here? Were you able to worship this morning? Man, I hope so. I hope so. And if not, that's on you, all right? <laughs> Starts in the heart, and it leaks out through the life. Let me, let me just say this. When it comes to, we didn't talk about this. Um, we're in a Baptist church, and so sometimes, like, this whole deal gets like, ah, I can't do this. All right, raise your hands, whatever you want to do. I'm totally cool with that. I don't mind either way. Uh, let me just say this, though, okay? Uh, if, all, if all we ever do is raise our hands in singing, but never reach our hands out, extend our hands out in faithful obedience and service and gratitude, we haven't truly worshiped because it starts in the heart and it leaks out through our life. Man, uh, I'm, I'm, it's been an honor to worship with you this morning. Um, you know, maybe some of you, if you were counting or paying attention, you're like, wasn't there five directions? There was, okay. Um, so look up, look back, look forward, look, look ahead. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. I'm, I don't know which way I'm looking anymore, right? Okay. <laughs> look up, look back, look ahead, look around, okay. Look around has to do with if we would just look around ourselves and the blessings that God has put in our life, man, the gratitude would, would swell up in us. Um, there's one more I want to share with you, and it's to look out. It's to look out. This is the fifth direction. And this is all about sharing our faith. And I am going to hit the pause button because we're not going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about that the next four weeks because we're starting a series next week called Who's Your One, which is really all about us as the people of God looking out and sharing our faith. So I want to show you a quick minute trailer, and then we'll wrap up, right? Numbers. We live by numbers. We track and count and measure everything, and sometimes we think the only numbers that really matter are the big ones. But it's the single digits that make the difference. The Bible says that heaven rejoices with the number one. Yeah, heaven rejoices each time even one person comes to know Jesus. We pastors dream about big numbers, and we should. But a daily focus on one meaningful interaction for Christ, that's the true difference maker. One friend, one family member, one coworker, one person at a time. We want to see God move in our nation like we have never seen before. But it all starts with one. I've got my one, and now I'm challenging you and your church to join us and to find yours. Because ultimately, the only number that really matters is one. Who's your one? I'm really excited about this series. Um, we're just going to talk all about having gospel conversations, how to live in such a way that we are salt and light. Um, we're going to be giving away some stuff. It's going to be an awesome series. It's going to be fun. I encourage you to be here every single week because you don't know what's going to happen every week, all right? Um, we're going to change it up. But who's your one? That's all about looking out. So I want to encourage you to be here for that. Um, man, we, uh, a lot of stuff we talked about today. If you follow us in the YouVersion app, or if, you've, if you pull that up, or you can pull it up later, um, all the same stuff is in your bulletin as well. Uh, to give, I would encourage you again to give towards our coffee fund for KCSD, to be there for our prayer walk tonight. Um, also in your YouVersion app, okay, you can get all the notes. There's also a link to a seven-day Bible reading plan, which is the question, what is worship all about? And so if you want to do some extra time with the Lord and your sanctuary time this week, uh, that'd be a great way to do it. So that's a seven-day Bible reading plan in the YouVersion app. Uh, and if you need help getting there, just click, click
click the uh, QR code that leads you to Uversion notes, all right? Man, it's been a good day, amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let me pray us out, all right? Father God, thanks so much for this morning, for the opportunity that we come. Uh, we have to come and worship you with all of our hearts. And God, I pray that as we leave this building and as we go home and as we make our way through um, the different places you have us throughout the week, God, help us to be people who worship you, not just in this room, but God, every other hour of the week. God, fix our eyes on you. Help us to look up and back and ahead and around, God, and out at the world you've placed us in as we go this morning. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Have a great week. We'll see you.